Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me and tuning in again, hopefully, or welcome if this is the first time you're listening. I am hopefully now on maternity leave. I'm recording this a month or so in advance. And so, yeah, if you're listening to this in September 2022, I'm about to give birth any day, so please do send me some uh, calming thoughts through the ether. And I have pre-scheduled podcasts to continue to come out while I'm off. They're going to be every other week instead of every week. So please, yeah, stay tuned for more podcasts over the next few months. I'm not sure if I'm going to be on Instagram or not. I haven't quite decided. I think it's going to depend how I feel entirely, how much baby sleeps. And yeah, you might see me on Instagram at like three in the morning. So (laughs) come and say hi. (laughs) Maybe you're awake at three in the morning with your baby as well. So today I have a brilliant, brilliant guest. Eve Torres Gracie is an American actress, dancer, model, martial arts instructor and former professional wrestler. She's best known for her time with the WWE where she was the first ever three-time WWE Divas champion. And she's also spearheading this incredible women's self-defense program called Women Empowered. And it involves a form of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And it was something that I was lucky enough to study a little bit, not with Eve, but with other teachers of Brazilian jiu-jitsu in Bali. And it really, yeah, it was such an interesting process to learn wrestling as someone who is, you know, a bit of a people pleaser and has a history of anxiety. And I could really see the benefits for those of us who are lacking in confidence or feeling anxious or lacking in self-esteem to learn jiu-jitsu. And and that's a lot of what we're going to discuss on this podcast today. We're going to talk about how martial arts can improve our confidence and lower anxiety. We're going to talk about how to feel safer and more confident. And Eve shares just some really practical ideas, insights into the world of self-defense, the sorts of fears that we have as women and how learning something like women's self-defense can help with that. We talk about the power of setting firm boundaries and also what to look for in a women's self-defense program. And if I wasn't pregnant right now, I would 100% be doing this self-defense program. It is all over in America and the UK. So I pop the link in the show notes if you want to find out more about that. And also Eve will talk about that as well through the course of our conversation. Also, I'd love to invite you over to join me on my digital home, my website, karmau.com. And I have loads of freebies on there. If you head to karmau.com forward slash workbook, I've got a free workbook for high functioning anxiety for you to download that talks you through basically how to figure out what's really holding you back in terms of your high functioning anxiety and what the most kind of important aspect of that is for you. So you can really get a lot of clarity. And then it coaches you through this workbook in being able to take some action and move things forward so that you can make uh, the biggest impact that you can 
with your high functioning anxiety. So yeah, head over to my website, karmau.com forward slash workbook. You can download that right away. So let us get into the episode with Eve Torres Gracie. So welcome Eve. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, so I am a women's self-defense instructor and I co-created the Women Empowered Program along with my husband, um, which is based in the principles of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And essentially what my my path to here is that I started training Jiu-Jitsu about 14 years ago. And when I first engaged with my, my first class and my first lesson, uh, and I learned some of the techniques that day, I, I actually got a sense of rage afterwards from this realization that I had never been shown any of the things that I learned on that day. My brother was actually training jujitsu in high school and, you know, my parents had put him in jujitsu. It was never even a question, like no one even asked me if I wanted to join. And to be fair, I probably wouldn't have at that, you know, as a teenager, um, started learning jujitsu, but here I, here I was in my twenties and I took my first class and I, I just remember thinking, why, why is it that women aren't learning this. And, and then I looked around and I went, Oh, I know why <laughs> I know why women aren't learning this. And I, and I looked around and I was one of very few women, uh, training jujitsu at the time. And there was a, there was a bit of a disconnect between the jujitsu community and a, an environment that may be inviting and feeling safe for women. So I embarked on, uh, this journey with my husband, my now husband, my husband is Henner Gracie. And so his family is, known as essentially it's like a legacy of uh, jujitsu fighters uh, and his grandfather is essentially kind of um, coined as the the creator of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, his, his grandfather, Elio Gracie. And so they brought jujitsu to the United States. Um, and, you know, it, it basically took off after the first couple UFC ultimate fighting championships where, UFC, where Brazilian jiu-jitsu was kind of showcased as the martial art that would, you know, uh, ba- basically be the one you want to learn if you're a small person, because in every case, uh, my husband's uncle, Hoist Gracie, defeated these opponents and he was the smaller, he was the smaller fighter. And so the world was kind of like taken aback by this. And so everyone, you know, a lot of people started learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but it, in my opinion, it had yet to reach the demographic that potentially could benefit the most from that. And, and that's, and that's women. Uh, so we, we created this program, Women Empowered, and this essentially was a you know a weekly program that we just taught at the school locally uh, to students. And it wasn't just jujitsu taught to women. It wasn't just oh we'll just make a class just specifically for you know wh- where only women can come. <clears throat> but it was specifically about how we tailored uh, the curriculum specifically to address the most common and dangerous threats facing women. As I embarked on that journey, obviously there was a lot I had to learn uh, about what violence against women really looks like. And that's how we, the, the program began to evolve from something where we kind of tailored some specific techniques that are, you know, situations in which women um, that are most commonly, you know, most common and dangerous threats, all the way to recognizing that a true self-defense program has to be really comprehensive. And there's a few things that <clears throat> were really important to make sure that this was something that felt accessible and specifically safe for women to engage with. And now we not only teach it at our school locally, but we have, uh, you know, 200 plus schools around, around the country who are now certified instructors and teaching this program um, in their areas. So that's, that's kind of the bigger picture is making sure that this program is accessible. Um, It's now accessible both online and in person at our certified training centers. Sounds awesome. I was telling you just before we started recording that I did a little bit of jujitsu in Bali and it was an incredible experience. I have to say I was one of the only women in the class and the only person that I really wanted to wrestle was my boyfriend. I didn't feel so comfortable to <laughs> wrestle anyone else. So we did six months of like wrestling classes together, which was a great bonding experience, I have to say, for the two of us. And I could really see how what an amazing thing it is for things like our resilience and things like anxiety and confidence, just as a practice itself, you know, not even thinking about the self-defense aspect, but the fact that you're, you know, 
falling over and picking yourself up and using your body in a different way. Can you share a bit about why, you know, all the different reasons, I guess, that it's important for women to to consider jujitsu and to to look into this potentially? Sure. So obviously there's the self-defense aspect, right? And I think that's kind of the given is that this is, this is actually really effective self-defense. And so from a, from a standpoint of, I want to learn what to do in a situation like this, or I want to have tools, um, you know, to be able to use, to, to navigate the world in a confident way, then it is extremely helpful for that. So that's, I think the more obvious one, but what a lot of people don't, don't realize until, and even I didn't quite realize until I started going through this journey and have supported other women through this journey is how, how much it does really support reducing anxiety and how much anxiety women kind of carry around with them uh, as they navigate the world when it comes to their safety. And it's kind of become Mm -hmm. something that is uh, it's almost subliminal because it's just a part of our existence. So it wasn't actually until I realized what it felt like to be able to be in a room and go, um, I think I, I could survive everyone, everyone in here until I realized, I realized what type of effect that engaging with others, knowing that there's this kind of underlying intimidating factor that this person is bigger, heavier, and stronger than I am. We don't really realize what role that intimidation factor or that factor plays in our everyday engagements, whether it's at work, whether it's with partners, whether it's, uh, you know, engaging with, with anyone. And so that was, that was something that was very, I didn't quite realize it until I had it. I didn't know I was missing it until I had Mm. it. Uh, And that was very unique to my experience. And and that's something I hear from many of our students as as well. Uh, I think the other thing in just in terms of overall anxiety is that people as often people with anxiety, and I'm speaking as one of those, those people like to plan for worst case scenarios. And that's kind of one of our one of our skills and one of our, you know, survival tools is to essentially assess the situation and come up with uh, with the plans, and and kind of think about those. And so, essentially, that's what we're doing is, you know, coming up with these with these plans and with these tools for worst case scenarios. And one might think that that would add add potential paranoia, but it actually it really helps you better assess risk. Uh, rather than thinking everything is is a risk, you kind of have a better idea of what are actual threats and what are risks and what are the ones that I feel confident taking on and what are the ones that I that I don't. And it helps me navigate the world with more confidence because I kind of have a better a better sense of that. So just this idea that I kind of can be in any situation and and if I need to, in the back of the, my mind, I can pull out that plan that, that I might need, uh, and I go, okay, I've got a plan, and now I can continue in, you know, navigating this space rather than staying in that of like I have no clue what would happen if this, this, or that were were to go down. Um, so it really supports with that. And I think there's this other this other aspect which um, you may have experienced, uh, Chloe, when you're when you're training, and it's it's one that it, obviously without actually kind of experiencing it yourself it's a little hard to, to, you know, explain, but I think, I think it, it's understandable that essentially we are being kind of repeatedly put into positions and then learning how to get out of them. Right. So you might be put into a position, someone, let's say someone is on top of you holding your wrist down and, and then we're learning how to escape that exact position. So essentially what we're gaining is confidence and discomfort. So we've, we've been put into these uncomfortable positions over and over again. And what we're telling our body is you can, you felt uncomfortable, you overcame that. And then you got out of that. And I want to be careful using comfort with discomfort. Cause I think a lot of women actually get very comfortable with discomfort almost, almost too much. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really this idea of, of confidence and discomfort of the confidence that I have been in this uncomfortable position before. And I've gotten out of it time and time again, and how that correlates to your life, you know, how, how there, it, it really is an analogy for many other situations that you might face. And you say, wow, this is really uncomfortable. I know there's a technique that I can use to get on the other side of this. And when you build that, uh, you build that experience over and over again, it really does help, help with confidence and it helps us navigate really difficult and challenging situations. Yeah, I think so many things around that so many of us experience as women, like perfectionism, fear of failure, Mm. um, people pleasing, all of these Mm. things. It's like, yeah, I can see that this would be a a skill and a tool whereby you can train yourself to to overcome some of those issues. 
by becoming more comfortable in your body, by learning skills and seeing yourself get better at things and physically stronger, um, leading to kind of more mental strength. Absolutely. And there's also this idea of you're essentially embodying a belief about yourself, right? So the more you train, the more you learn, the more you kind of say, okay, I'm going to train my body how to fight or train my body how to survive this situation. You're essentially embodying a belief that you are worth defending. Mm. And so for some of us, that that belief may have already been there. For others, it's not. But then by doing these physical actions over and over again, I feel like that is a contributor to that belief. And then we say, wait a minute, I've invested all of this into keeping myself safe. I've invested all these tools and knowledge and your body goes, I'm worth defending. And that is a big, mm. that's a big part of many of our journey is just that, that belief, or I have the right to defend myself. And that's then supports our ability to set boundaries with others. And I think that is, is one of the most important parts of, you know, of a, a comprehensive self-defense program is that self-defense is not just, you know, physical tactics that we use to ward off somebody who's trying to cause us harm, but it's being able to assess the threats around us. It's being able to use scalable options, including boundary setting. What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? And putting ourselves through those motions. So as much as we would want to role play, you know, oh, someone grabs me by my hair. How do I break their arm afterwards? Uh, As much as we'd want to role play those, those scenarios, we also would want to role play. What does it feel like when someone, when someone makes me feel uncomfortable how do I respond to that? What words do I use? What tools do I have in that moment? And that's an extremely important part to role play, uh, I think, in, in, in self-defense and specifically women's self-defense, uh, because for many of us, that's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. And if we neglect to address that part, we're essentially doing a disservice. We're giving you all these awesome, you know, these tools that, and this is one of the most important parts about, I, I believe, about a, a true kind of empowerment self-defense program is that there needs to be scalable options, right? If we really understand what violence looks like, it's not majority of, of violence that we experience is not going to be, oh, I'm, I'm just walking through an alleyway and someone you know, grabbed me. And we hear about those often in, in the news and in the media, but we now know that that makes up actually a fairly small percentage of um, of assault and, and, and violence that, that women experience. And most likely it's going to be somebody known to us ourselves known to us. So we need to have tools and options to basically address any type of scenario, knowing that those are backed up by physical tactics. And part of that belief is, you know, we may be more empowered to set boundaries if we actually believe that when those boundaries are crossed, we have another another plan. We kind of have a backup to that that supports us in setting, you know, verbal boundaries or, or psychological boundaries with others. Uh, because if they cross those, we we kind of have the sense of I have a physical tool that I can then use if I need to. If they if they don't uh, respect that boundary in that moment, I think I I saw in one of your videos that you mentioned that seventy eight percent of sexual assaults are by people that we know. Correct. And so yeah, could could you say a bit more about that in terms of the the escalation of violence? Because I think you use this example in your video about you know, if someone crosses a boundary, you're not going to go and then like gouge their eyes out. Yeah. But actually, what, yeah. what are the sort of steps that you could take if someone is, you know, a- approaching you or the different kind of scenarios of things that might be more likely to happen? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, when we look at that, that that is a, a statistic. And, and realistically, it's probably actually uh, on the lower side, because d- due to the fact that so many are not reported. Um, but right. statistically, at least 78% of assaults are going to be by somebody known to the target. And so knowing that, again, when we have to think about the context of where the, how this might happen, is that if a self-defense program is only focused on eye gouges and groin shots and these things that can be effective in, in many situations, but if those are the only tools you have, and that's the only thing that you can pull out at any moment, then when instead it's, you know, a coworker that gets a little too, uh, has too many drinks at a work function and starts crossing your crossing boundaries that you're not feeling comfortable with, you know, we may not pull out the eye gouge. We may not out- eye gouge our coworker at that moment uh, <laughs> in order to set a boundary. And if that's the yeah. only tool we have, we may not do anything at all if we don't feel like it's justified, right, in, our, in that moment, if we make that decision. So we need to have scalable options and that escalation may look like essentially first boundary setting, you know, verbal boundary setting. And what does that look like? What does that sound like? You know, getting practice with that. 
and getting people comfortable with stating what they need and stating their needs and stating their requests for others. And so having that practice and essentially maybe telling somebody, uh, look, when you continue to ask me to drink, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'd like you to stop. Uh, and so getting it, you know, very clear, obviously the, the clearer the boundary, the better, but there's many ways to set boundaries with others. It doesn't have to look like one specific way. And that's another thing that as a, as a woman who's navigated a world uh, of mostly men might actually, <laughs> most of my, my entire life as an engineering uh, major in college, mostly male, I wrestled uh, professionally for five, six years, mostly male, and now I'm in the jiu-jitsu world. So I, I'm navigating this a lot and that it's not, the boundaries don't always look the same, but as long as we have a, a verbal boundary that we can set in, in whatever tactic feels comfortable for you at that time. Um, and then if they continue to cross it, first of all, expecting that they may push back and that there's a lot of, a lot of pushback with boundaries. And so knowing that that may be coming and then being able to, to enforce it again. And, and actually it's the ability to escalate that I think is, uh, is what's so, what's really valuable because, you know, whether it's somebody you know or not, you know, if you're at a gas station and someone comes up to you, you may, you may not want to just like look at them and stop. Like there, some people can do that and, and feel, and, and, and it comes very naturally. And I would actually recommend that if someone feels that way, they should absolutely respond in that manner. But if they don't feel like they can escalate to here, then they start here. They make a simple request, a simple boundary. If that gets crossed, now we escalate. If it gets crossed again, then we escalate. And it, again, these scalable options from you know, uh, verbal assertiveness and verbal boundary setting. And then if they cross that now, let's say somebody tries to grab us and try to pull us in a direction. Well, we have skills where it's, again, it's not just the, the eye gouging. We can just neutralize it with a, a simple escape or a, a release where they, I don't have to actually cause them harm in order to keep safe all the way to, mm. let's say now we're in a situation where maybe escape is not an option or I've already been isolated and I have to, it's, it's him or I, and it's a survival situation. Well, I also want to have the tools to essentially, you know, end someone's life with my bare hands, which we also cover in this program. So it's the wow. entire, that nature of being able to go everything from verbal boundary setting all the way over here to it's you or me and, and it's going to be you. And I don't need a weapon because my body's a weapon. Um, and so knowing that that's, that that's the scalable nature that we need to have, because that's the reality of what violence looks like. Um, and that a lot of times it stays over here. And then it's just nice to know that we have this, um, you know, these, these worst case scenario tactics, because that allows us to feel more confident in that initial boundary setting. This episode is sponsored by the Hypnotherapy Collection. So you might've heard me talk about how I first discovered hypnotherapy about 12 years ago now, and how it was the one thing that could cut through my anxiety and low self-esteem and actually create a shift. For you, you might have read the self-help books, been to the workshops, had the therapy, but nothing seems to stick. Or you try out that new meditation, routine or mindset technique, and it seems to work for a bit, but you soon find yourself frustrated and back at square one. If change feels hard, I want you to know that it's not your fault. When you realise that 95% of your thoughts, feelings and habits come from your unconscious programming, it all starts to make sense. So if you're struggling with things like never feeling good enough, being unable to switch off, relax and enjoy the moment, if you struggle with setting boundaries, with burnout or with your confidence, I have just the thing for you. Enter the Hypnotherapy Collection. Hypnotherapy allows us to address things at that deep, unconscious level so that we can make shifts. And by the way, if you haven't tried hypnotherapy before, it's basically one of the most relaxing things you can do, kind of like a massage or a holiday for your brain, where you lie down in your bed or your sofa, close your eyes and let the hypnotherapy do the work for you. What could be better than that? In the Hypnotherapy Collection, you'll get 12 of my most powerful hypnotherapy sessions that help you with things like letting go of the things that you want to let go of, increasing your self-love and self-worth, sleeping better and more deeply, boosting your energy and motivation, feeling more positive, healing shame, and healing the inner child, plus loads more. And you also get some bonuses. I popped in there for bonus affirmation recordings to help you to change your self-talk, feel more positive, improve your confidence and reduce your anxiety. 
these recordings are the perfect thing to listen to after work to switch off from the day before bed to help you to sleep better first thing in the morning to set yourself up for the day or if you wake up in the night they're a brilliant thing to listen to then as well when you download them you get to keep them forever and return to them whenever you need to so you can head over to my website karma hyphen you.com forward slash collection to grab them now and start feeling better from the first listen and use the code podcast at checkout to save 20%. That's podcast all in capital letters to save 20%. Head over to karma you.com forward slash collection. So fascinating. I love, I love what you said there about the verbal boundary setting of that's making me uncomfortable and I'd like you to stop. You know, that's something that's so hard, I think, for women, so many of us, to set boundaries verbally, to, mm. to sort of have that confidence, to even know that it's okay to do that. And I suppose also having the physical uh, skills to kind of back that up, in a sense, as well, back, and give you confidence to set those verbal boundaries sounds really important. Um, yeah, so the verbal that. boundaries and, and boundaries regarding just your personal space. And that's another thing mm. that I feel like I... I now have kind of taken ownership of is I have a very good sense of my personal bubble and my personal space. I know what I don't like. I know what feels uncomfortable and I know how to navigate around that in ways that again, don't have to escalate all the way to like, I'm going to, you know, pick someone in their groin right now in order to get, get them to back up. I know how to move. I know how to, you know, keep my hands up. I know how to almost like maintain a space that feels comfortable for me and not allow people to encroach on that if it, if it feels uncomfortable. So part of it is just managing your, your, your body and your space around you, um, and getting comfortable with that ability. And, uh, and that's, that's a big part of, of, again, self-defense in general is owning your, your, your space and then recognizing I have the right to defend this. I don't, it's not, it's not my responsibility, but it's my right. Mm, so powerful. I think I, I'm, I'm assuming there is, I don't know if there's any kind of um, sort of evidence for this, but the way that you kind of hold yourself, does that send off a kind of message to would-be attackers? So if you're kind of hunched over and you're looking kind of vulnerable, then perhaps you're more likely to get attacked than if you have a, a different posture and you're holding yourself with a certain confidence. Does that actually keep you safe in itself? Absolutely. There's absolutely theories to that. Often when, when we kind of talk about strategies when it comes to self-defense, you know, we center it on the perpetrator because really they're the ones perpetrating these crimes. So we center it on them. But we really think about what are they what are they looking to accomplish? What are their objectives? And the, the idea is how do we how do we stop those objectives? And, you know, one of them is is essentially to carry out whatever it is they have planned. And this might be more in the context of a non-stranger, of a stranger, let's say, uh, could, but could be non-stranger as well. And essentially they want to, they want to do it undetected and they don't, they, they don't want to be caught, right? They don't want to be caught. So they would like it to happen quickly and quietly, essentially. And so once we understand that, then we know is that my job won't, know, you know, we always tell, tell our students that it's not going to be that you have to beat this guy up or, or defeat him in order to survive or, or, or to like, you know, can be considered, but what is victory for us? Victory is survival and it's getting to safety. And however that's accomplished is important. Right. But one of those things might be, you know, again, assertive posture and, you know, making a lot of noise and, and even escalating to a point where if someone's crossing you, maybe you start with a, a simple boundary of, excuse me, don't come any closer. And then they come and I said, I said, stop. And now we can yell and I won't yell into, your, into my, microphone, my, my mic right now for, for all of you. But now we can escalate and escalate. And now there's other people looking around, right? And essentially they want, they would like a target that that they feel they may be more confident in carrying out the, um, you know, the potential attack or whatever it is that they have planned. So anything that makes them feel like that won't happen is a deterrent. And one of those is posture. And one of those is just a simple acknowledgement. And oftentimes, you know, when we think about, again, their objectives, their objective would be to get as close to us as possible without being detected so that they can then, you know, especially if in the context of like a, an abduction or something like that, they want to get as close to us undetected. Now, what that means is that it's, it's actually helpful for them to carry out their objective if we are not making eye contact with them, if we're kind of, and this is a very natural behavior for all, for, for, for many men and women is that when they see a threat, they kind of like, they, they just kind of hope it, if they ignore it, that it will go away. Mm. And, or, or the feeling that if I look at them or engage with them, that there might be a confrontation here. And now maybe I started the escalation and that's what we can assertively say, 
that that is not true. So if, if by asserting yourself now, again, we're not, you know, confronting them in the form of like, we're not trying to fight them. Right. But there, if there's assertive confrontation um, or uh, asserting our needs or asserting a boundary is never going to initiate a, uh, an attack. If somebody hadn't already planned that, right. If anything, it will deter it. So getting comfortable, you know, speaking up and having that, that, that confident posture with our shoulders back, our eyes up and making, making eye contact with them. I think for a lot of women, we've, we've shied away from making eye contact because we've always also learned that it may be an engagement, you know, or uh, an invitation to engage, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of how you make that eye contact and how you do that in a way that is not an invitation, but it's, it's more of like, I see you, um, you know, like I, I like to do it as like a head nod, like good day, sir. I don't know, but like something where it's like a very matter of fact, like I acknowledge you and I see your presence. There's no smile. There's just like uh, a clear, clear eye contact that's happening. Um, and that allows you to kind of navigate the space and know that I see, you know, I, I'm very well aware of your, your place. Um, and I can make distance if I need to. Yeah. Cause I think my natural inclination would be to kind of make myself smaller, mm-hmm. like avoid mm-hmm. eye contact, mm-hmm. like hope they're going to go away and you know thankfully I haven't ever been attacked or had anything like that happen but it's really interesting to know that it's you know the thing that most of us wouldn't assume would be the best thing to do is actually um not the right not the best thing to do yeah it's it's essentially what they would want if we have to think about what how they would want this scenario to play out it would be that you know we stay to ourselves we stay quiet they get as close to us as possible and then a struggle would ensue instead of nope the moment we make eye contact with them we're already creating space we're creating distance um and we role play those you know every in in our program in the women empowered program how what what is a safe space what is a safe distance how we can have our hands up with our palms palms open this isn't like i want to fight you this is in any language i don't care what what language you speak with my hands up my my palms open and i'm stepping back and i'm looking at you that means stop and that means i don't feel safe and so if somebody and that buys us time right the more we the sooner we can do that and and have this stance and then also assert ourselves verbally the sooner we can recognize whether someone is a true threat because that's the other reason why we don't i mean if we really want to think about why women don't say say things often is we have we may have a story in our head that like well what if they're a good person or i don't want to embarrass them or i don't want to seem rude and many of us have been taught to kind of prioritize other people's you know other people's comfort over our own needs right and mm-hmm. our need in that moment is to stay safe and that's where we just need to reprogram that and say my safety is at the very top of my priorities it goes over anyone else's feelings um it needs to be over you know especially some person i'm never going to see again right uh so it's it's easier said than done which is why again it's so important to practice this to actually put this in practice and not just know it in 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 theory because when it happens we often are met with shock and we're often like not sure what to say or what to do. So just like any physical technique, we need to practice what that what that script is and what our stance is and what we do in that moment. And that's a big part of of self-defense and gaining that confidence of, you know, if we start to feel threatened, what steps we can take to likely, you know, deter an attack from happening. Yeah, one one thing that I'm really getting from what you're saying is how much sort of things are kind of ingrained in us as women and as in our society about how how we are or how we think we need to be sort of not offending people not speaking up about things and it's almost like the it's the water that we're swimming in that we don't even know we're fish mm-hmm. swimming in the, in the water because it's everywhere and we just kind of take it for granted and I think yeah it's so fascinating I think um Perhaps you've had, I mean, I'm sure you've had similar things in America, but in England, we've had a couple of really high profile murders against young women. And there's been a kind of big thing in England about how women have to, you know, text their friend that they're on their way home and all these things. You know, we walk home with a key in our hand, you know, in case we need to sort of um, text someone with a key and all those sorts of things. I think we're we're more and more aware of that sort of thing but it's actually you know what can we what can we do about that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and obviously the problem is with the attackers but also you know we can only control what we can we can do for ourselves and i think yeah it sounds like learning these skills is is something that that we can control the responsibility will always be with the perpetrators right and that's mm-hmm. that's another important part about if someone is going to be learning self defense from from someone that self-defense need to be, needs to be centered around that idea. 
that it's not, we're not doing this because it's our job or it's our responsibility. We're doing it because it's our right. And again, it, it, there are things that we can do to lower our risks, but essentially it's always going to be centered on the, the, the perpetrator is the, is the problem here, right? They're the problem. And for us, we just say, okay, how can we navigate? How can we still navigate the world safely and confidently knowing that there's still a lot of work to be done to make sure that the number of, of the, you know, the amount of violence that occurs in the world goes down. Uh, and that's really, that's really the idea. Can you share a bit about what's what's kind of unique about the program that you offer? Because I know from my limited experience of doing jiu-jitsu, it was very male-centric. You know, the 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 floor was like covered in sweat. I think it was because it was a tropical, tropical barley. And you know, there's like shirtless men like wrestling. <laughs> and I can imagine, like, I don't know if I would have gone there without my boyfriend. And I could imagine, you know, perhaps. And uh, this is just my one experience, but perhaps not every, you know, jujitsu class is going to be sort of suitable for women who want to work on this. Can you share a bit about your, your program and what, what makes it different? Sure. I'm so glad you asked that because this is my biggest fear is that I know, I know that there's so much value in this, but if not done with the proper, you know, instruction and proper support, it can be very, it can actually be damaging. And there are some, some environments that are, I, I can't say are safe for people to engage with and, and to learn, um, learn jujitsu if they want to. Uh, so the, the things that are unique to our program um, and that I believe are extremely important when it comes to someone who wants to learn self-defense, specifically for the purposes that we discussed. So perhaps lowering anxiety, also healing. And, and we can talk about that, you, you know, maybe separately about some specifics there, but healing from from potential, uh, you know, past violence or trauma and what that, what that might look like. So some of the things that are extremely important is number one, you know, that we offer scalable self-defense options. And we, we mentioned that, but a self-defense program needs to not just be a groin, groin strikes and eye gouges. It needs to have the full gamut of everything from verbal assertiveness, boundary setting, distance management, all the way to, again, worst case scenario. And, uh, you know, the escape is not an option <clears throat> and it's, you know, a potential life or death situation. And we can use that type of lethal force if we need to, right? So we want to have that full range. That's one thing in particular about this program that I'm really proud of and think is extremely important to have is that we want to have something for every step of the way and every escalation at every escalation point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other is we make sure that all of our instructors are trauma-informed. And that is really important because as, you know, both statistically and kind of the purpose of this is that there's going to be women who come into the program. There will absolutely be women in any given class. I can guarantee you that just statistically speaking, there are women in there who've experienced violence in their, in their history. And so, you know, when, when it comes to healing, it can be extremely beneficial for those who are, who are healing. However, there's a there's something to to note there about that healing, which is that the instructors need to be, you know, trauma informed so that if someone has a trauma response, that they can support them through that and not encourage behaviors that may actually further traumatize them. And how important it is that if someone is going through to this through healing, that they also potentially have a a professional support, you know, kind of paired with it so that they can process some of the healing that's happening in their, you know, self-defense class or engagement um, with some of their any past trauma. And having professional support, I think, is extremely beneficial if you're looking to do this for, for healing purposes. You know, one example of healing that I can I can talk about, and it it makes it makes so much sense when you kind of think about it in this context, but we had a woman who came to us who had a, a very who experienced a very violent uh, uh, and egregious assault. And when she was running on on the beach <clears throat> and after she, you know, physically healed, she came to us and wanted to start learning self-defense. And so we we started off very slow with her. We did private classes, um, and we got to a point where, you know, she felt very very comfortable and 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 confident with her, you know, her her self-defense and her jiu-jitsu. And she wrote us a letter saying, you know, I, I had nightmares every almost every night about this incident where it replayed out or like even worse played out than what actually happened. And then she said, last week, I, in my dream, I choked him unconscious and I got away. And she said, I haven't had a nightmare since. Mm -hmm. So we are essentially creating new, 
new, you know, memories. And, and it's not about, oh, you could have done this or you should. No, it's about, it's about women have to walk around with the what ifs forever. And we want to just know that I've got, I've got a tool and I've got a plan for that. And, and so, you know, what an incredible healing moment there. And I still get chills to this day thinking specifically about that. Um, and we've had other mm-hmm. versions of that through our, our students, but how in our mind, sometimes we just need, uh, we just need to know, it goes back to that, like just needing to know what to do and no, knowing that I have a plan is what can settle oftentimes our, our, our negative thoughts. And so that's, it's the idea of having this plan in place um, and knowing that should you ever experience something similar, that you have additional tools that you've added to your tool belt. And so that's where, you know, healing can be really, really beneficial. Um, again, asterisk next to that is only if the instructor uh, understands that this is your journey and it can support you through that. You have professional support guiding you and the timing is right. You know, potentially coming right off of uh, after experiencing violence may not be the right time. You have to make sure that the timing feels right for you to start that healing journey uh, through self-defense. And then I would say, lastly, the thing that makes us uh, kind of unique and that if anyone is seeking a self-defense program to make sure that they are not, that they are centering the responsibility of their shouldering, the, the, the burden of, of violence on the perpetrators. And that it's not framed around the context of, you know, you just like, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And, you know, we don't want to be told what to do and what not to do. We want to be given information and tools and then we can make our own decisions based on that information. So, you know, it's important that self-defense programs aren't, they don't think it's, oh, let me just tell women what they can't do. And then that will, you know, that, that will essentially empower them. That's not how that works. We, it's important to know what risks, what, what risks are out there. Um, and what things we can do to reduce our risks, and that's important information. But essentially, we get to na- we get to make those choices as we navigate the world, um, rather than having a very specific definition of, um, you know, what to do, what not to do, and and also just the feeling that the the blame is 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 on the you know is on the victim or on the survivor. And so, any self defense program that kind of has that uh, frame around self defense, run run as fast as you can away from from it. Mm. <laughs> So good to know. So, so good to know. Yeah, I guess I wanted to switch gears slightly and, and ask you what one question that I ask most of my guests is about whether, is there, is there anything that you're struggling with in your life at the moment? And mm-hmm. how are you kind of moving through that or handling that? Or yeah, what, what's your kind of approach to to getting support with that at the moment? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I'm assuming you don't have all the time in the world, so I'll book a separate session with you later, Chloe, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think, you know, for, for me right now, it's, uh, it's, it's really, com- I, you know, I'm a, I'm a mother of two boys. Um, I am an, an active, uh, you know, participant and somebody who's very responsible for our, our, our family business. And so I think that it's, for me, it's it's about just managing stress levels, and as things kind of come my way, about how to you know how how to work through those um, in a way where I'm not you know affecting my children or kind of being reactive and getting triggered by everything around me because my stress levels are activated. And so um, that's my journey. Is I think it's always been my journey, but now more than ever, what as more things kind of pile onto the plate. And so for me, you know, some of the most important things I recognize is that. Uh, physical movement is really important to me uh, and actually training jiu-jitsu is important to me. And I actually got to a point where I was so busy with our family business that uh, I stopped training because I was the one making sure everyone else was able to train jiu-jitsu. And mm-hmm. so I lost touch with, you know, the the thing that actually really supports me. And it's, there's essentially kind of like a meditative aspect to it. I'm not a, I'm not a great meditator. I will, I will admit that. So this is kind of a way of me to kind of get into a, you know, you're, if you're engaging in a, and this is kind of as you, as you advance through jujitsu, but in that engagement, I mean, you're, you're as present as you can possibly be because you're, you're, you're in a chess match, a human chess match with somebody else. And you can't think about what's, what you're going to make for dinner that night, because you have to think about in that moment, you know, essentially kind of a sense of sense of survival. Um, mm-hmm. But it's extremely fun. It's extremely empowering. And so that is something that I, I go to. I also recently started uh, cold plunging and uh, cold immersion. 
And I was kind of, I was fighting it for a long time. My husband's like, come on, you got to do this. And I was fighting it. And then finally I, I started doing it and I started doing it. You know, I said, okay, I'll do it three times a week. And I I've now gotten to the point where I start to kind of actually crave the feeling I get afterwards. And, um, and it's been, it's also just those three moments at the beginning of the day where, you know, I, I, again, have to center myself because, uh, you can't really, again, it's like the most, most centering experience because you're like, wow, I am, can't think about anything else besides again, survival in that moment. Um, and then you come out and you feel so wonderful. So I've started, I've started doing that and that's been really helpful for my both mental health and kind of starting off the day with it with great energy. I love that. And do you do that? Do you have like a plunge pool or something? Or is that like having a cold shower in the morning? What does that specifically mean? We, like? we just got a, a plunge, uh, a plunge bath. So it's called, it's actually called the plunge um, and it's, or the cold plunge, I think. And uh, it's this right now it's right outside our, it's in our backyard and um, we just dip in, but it's nice. Cause you don't have to, I think if I had to actually put ice cubes in my bathtub, I don't think I'd be <laughs> doing it three times a week. <laughs> Cause like, you're just looking at like, okay, I've got to do this, but this is like, all right, I have no excuse. I just jump into a, you know, I just have to slip in and, uh, and hang out there for a few minutes. So that's been, uh, that's been really helpful for me. I love that. I know so many people who have got into cold swimming, whether that's going in the sea or in a lake or mm-hmm. cold showers or a spa where they have a kind of cold plunge pool and how amazing it is. And I think there is, there's also good evidence, scientific evidence yeah. that it's, it can help with depression, anxiety and all sorts of things. So yeah, people were in Bali, everyone, all the, all the jujitsu people also into cold plunging and that sort of thing. So we did a, did a fair bit of that there. A lot easier when it's uh, very warm and humid to, to get in a thing. Not so, not quite so say, easy. The hardest days are the cold but, mornings. And I'm like, yeah. it's already a cold morning and I'm going to jump into this really cold water. That's awesome though. Yeah, I hope that maybe has inspired some people to, to look into that as well. Yeah, so interesting. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared. I, yeah, I'd love to hear more about how people can find out more about you and, um, join the program and anything else that you want to share just about how people can find out about you. Yes, sure. So uh, for those, I know that you have a lot of um, listeners probably in the UK and we do have several locations in the, in the UK. Uh, so if you go to gracieschools.com, uh, that's where you'll find our certified training centers. Um, and now you'll want to make sure that they specifically offer the Women Empowered Program. Uh, if not, there is another co-ed program that is also kind of follows the same model of everything that I've, I've talked about. Um, and so it's just the only difference is that it won't be uh, it won't be women only. But the Women Empowered Program specifically, you will be with other women in the class. And it's everything that we kind of talked about here. So if you are, are not close to a certified training center, uh, you can also embark with a partner, a, a training partner, or somebody who you want to you know, start this program with. And we have the entire curriculum also available online. And so you can find that at gracieuniversity.com. And our uh, programs are available and there is a, you know, online forum. So if you have questions, you can, you know, put them, put them in there. And one of our instructors will get back to you. It's very interactive. And at the end of that, you can even submit a, uh, a video test with the, all, you know, you performing all of the techniques and doing it in sequences, um, doing kind of like a, a simulation drill. And essentially we can grade that and then earn your, what we call the pink belt at the end. Um, of that program, which is basically just a symbol that you've gone through the, the program and the, and the curriculum specifically, and that you've um, you've become proficient in those and the understandings of those. So there's a lot of ways for people to seek this out. Again, if if that doesn't if that doesn't work for them, or if they're not close to a certified training center, or they don't have access to a training partner, um, I just really want to make sure that if you are seeking again jujitsu or self defense in this con- in this context that if there's not a certified training center that you ask the right questions and that you kind of go and check something out and say, does this feel safe to me? Does this feel inviting? Does it check all the boxes? Um, and if not, then, you know, find another school because it's, it can be extremely empowering and, um, and a wonderful experience, but if not, uh, if not led in the right way, then it, it, it may not be that the same experience that we're, we're, you know, talking about here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can really feel the the kind of the depth of the yeah, the depth of the work that you're doing and the care that you bring to it. And so thank you so much for everything you shared. And 
I am currently pregnant otherwise I would be wanting to do this is it yes. suitable for pregnant people I'm guessing probably it, not but maybe in a few uh, months well it actually is I mean it, it can be I I I, I uh, would continue teaching when I was pregnant and we have, we've had pregnant students at some point they go, Oh, it's a little hard to get back up and down. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's made to be, you know, it really is meant to be for anyone. And that's the idea is that it's not just, Oh, if you're fit and healthy and, and it's, it's self-defense has to work. The whole point of it is for it to, for a smaller person to be able to defend against a larger opponent. Right. So it's not rely, um, relying on athletic attributes. So it truly is for everyone. Even if you're like, Oh, I'm not a fighter. It's for you, specifically you. It's it's for, it's for. <laughs> so good, so good. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Awesome. Thank you, Chloe. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget, you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 